Good morning, Hope Fellowship. Hi, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Okay, so let's get into the word today. Have you ever read through the Bible and felt like there's just no way you could live up to the examples of some of these people? And certainly that could be a good thing because I don't want to be a murderer like King Herod or a bully like Goliath. I don't want to be a cruel dictator like Julius Caesar or a traitor like Judas. But there's some people in the Bible I definitely wouldn't mind being a little bit more like. Like Abraham, he had great faith. Noah, he was a righteous man. Moses, he was a strong leader. Or Elijah, he was willing to follow God no matter where it took him. Or Ezekiel, he's one of my favorites. He preached to God's people despite his own fears and insecurities. Or even the disciple John, he penned a beautiful gospel. I wouldn't mind being like that. And on this Mother's Day, it's certainly fitting to say, I wouldn't mind being like Mary, mother of Jesus. She's a wonderful biblical example to aspire to. And I certainly wouldn't mind my children turning out to be a little bit more sinless like Jesus. I'm pretty sure they laugh every time I got them in first service too. I'm pretty sure I'd have a lot less gray hair if my kids were a lot less sinless. <laughs> Here's the thing. The Bible is filled with these larger-than-life people, like Mary, for instance. We're tempted to think we just can't measure up to them. But can we? we we're tempted to think, well, that was then, and this is now, and things are different now, right? Could I ever be a mother like Mary? Can you, ladies? I ask you today, can we measure up? But here's the key. These people of the Bible, they're human, just like you and me. They got tired, they got hungry, they got frustrated, discouraged, angry. And certainly some of them make wonderful role models to us, but they were only human, just like us. And this should give you hope. If God could use them in mighty ways, he can use us too. And guess who else was fully human? Somebody I look up to a lot. Who came to live out the perfect example of what a God-fearing life should be. Who came to show us that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Can you guess? Jesus, right? He was a mystery. He was fully human, yet fully divine. And we all want to be more like him. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just show up out of nowhere as a fully functioning adult who just launched into his heavenly ministry. Not at all. It took 30 years of shaping and molding Jesus before he even entered into his ministry. And you know what? Someone had to shape him. Someone had to mold him. Someone had to spiritually form him. Jesus was mirroring what some godly person had taught him along the way. And can you guess who that person was? Mary, right, his mother Mary. And on this beautiful Mother's Day, let's examine the most influential woman in Jesus' life. Because there is a lot we can learn about, from, about parenting today from Mary. In the man that Jesus grew up to be, we see a reflection of Mary and of her godliness. In Mary's example, we can learn everything we need to know about how to parent in this broken world. Because through us, our children will first glimpse a reflection of Jesus Christ. And through her story, we can learn how to be a reflection of God and Jesus in our own parenting. Because Mary exemplified a number of virtues and qualities that made her God's human choice to raise his son. You see what's so cool? God wanted humans to be involved in the raising and shaping and molding of his holy son. And without these qualities that Mary exemplified, she would have been unusable. And in her qualities today, we can apply them to our own parenting, to your parenting, and definitely to mine. And folks, I want to stop right here. I want to call a time out. 
If you're a father today, don't tune me out. This message is for you too, because Joseph was right there parenting with Mary. If you're not a parent today, don't tune me out. This message is still for you. Mary was a spiritual mother to all of Jesus' disciples, not just her own blood-born children. And don't tune me out today if you've lost a child. This message is still for you. Even after the death of her precious firstborn son, Mary went on to continue to magnify the Lord. What I'm trying to say this morning is this. Every single person in this room will help to mold, raise, and impact a child. These children may be our own, or they may be the spiritual children we collect on our journey. And this message today is for every single one of you for that reason. We need to make sure we are mirroring Jesus to these children. So let's examine godly parenting by first revisiting the story of the Annunciation of Jesus' birth. We're going to go to Luke 1.26.38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Who? So you guys might not realize it yet, but there's so much we can learn from Mary right here about parenting. And in this passage, we witness the very starting point from where we can launch our own journey as godly parents. It is here that we encounter Mary's first godly quality. Mary was humble. Luke 1, 28 to 29 reads, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. To understand why Mary would have been troubled at this type of greeting, we have to read this scripture in cultural context. Mary lived in a culture 2,000 years ago that held women in very low esteem. There is a prayer that Jewish men would pray daily, thanking God that they were not born a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. In the surrounding Greco-Roman culture, female babies were often left out on trash heaps to die, to be picked up by strangers, strangers who would raise them to be slaves or worse. Females in Jewish society had little to no rights. And not only that, Mary was a teenager. Apocryphal records state that Mary could have been anywhere from 12 to 18 years old at the time of Gabriel's visit. But please remember, this was common practice in first century history. People didn't live the long lifespans we do today with our modern medicine. So, and if all this wasn't enough working against Mary, for the cherry on top of the proverbial Sunday here, Mary was from Nazareth. And as Pastor Josh always tells us, Nazareth was the wrong side of the tracks. In a culture that thought little of her, Mary was humbled. And, but how many of us in here this morning know God doesn't care what our culture says about us? How many know God despises a prideful heart 
but delights in uplifting the humble, just like he did for Mary. Because God doesn't care where you came from. He cares about where you're going, and he cares about how he can work through you. God can use the humble in mighty ways. And God can use us in mighty ways when we remain humble in our parenting. We find proof of the importance of humility in the Bible. 1 Peter 5, 6 states, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Isaiah 66, 2 states, All these things my hands have made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. For the very fact that Mary remained humble, God was able to use Mary to step into the role of one of the most influential people in world history. Mary didn't exalt herself. She didn't put herself on a pedestal. She didn't think herself too good to do God's work for, in her. No, Mary, in her, in her humility, allowed God to move in her in a mighty way. Today, can I ask you, are you raising your children in humility? Are you remaining humble, allowing God's will for your life to dictate how you live out your life and subsequently parent? Remaining humble means allowing God to instruct us on how to parent. It can even mean taking correction from God in our parenting, which is never fun. It means putting aside our own wounds, putting aside our pride, putting aside our broken dreams so we can parent God's way. Because this allows God to be the dominant voice in our parenting. That way we are not trying to parent out of our own brokenness. It means making every single decision based off of God's word and what's in the best interest of our children. And this is so important, folks, because in us, our children will first glimpse Jesus. We mirror Jesus in how we live out our lives and subsequently raise our children. Just like Mary was a reflection of God in the way she raised Jesus. So I ask you again today, are you remaining humble in your parenting? Are you allowing God to be the dominant voice in your parenting? And humbleness goes right hand in hand with Mary's second godly quality. Number two, Mary had an obedient heart. So Luke 134 to 37 said, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. This is key. We hear repeatedly that God is very much a gentleman, and in his love for us, he allows us free will. Mary had free will, and she had a choice in this entire matter. You see, Mary could have said no to God. She could have refused this whole plan. And I think we commonly overlook that very important fact, that Mary did have a choice in this. But Mary was a good Hebrew girl, and she knew her Torah. And when Gabriel told her, no word from God shall ever fail, Mary stood upon that promise from God. She stood on his word, and with an obedient heart, she stepped into her calling. To read the cultural context again, we know that this was no, no light matter. This whole situation put Mary in grave danger. She was young. She was a woman. She wasn't married. She had no house. She had no income to support a baby. And Hebrew law dictated she technically should have been stoned to death if she was found pregnant outside of marriage. Mary was very, aware, very well aware of all the danger this put her into. 
Yet she stood firm on God's word and was obedient despite what the outside circumstances in her life look like. And because of this obedience, God could begin the entire salvation plan through Mary's simple, yes, Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, are you being obedient to God in your parenting? Is God convicting you on something, whether in your own life or in your children's lives? Are you listening? More importantly, are you acting upon what he says to you? Maybe he's telling you to work less hours and be home with your kids more. Maybe he's telling you to let go of that toxic relationship you're in because it's affecting your children. Maybe he's urging you to get your kids into kids club or church or youth group so they can hear God's voice in a brand new way. Or maybe he's convicting you to start daily prayer time for your family at home so you can model the importance of this. I don't know what God's speaking to you over your parenting, but since every one of us in here this morning is human, I can guarantee he's convicting all of us in some area. And can you imagine if Mary had not been obedient? What if she had said no to God? Can you see the importance of her one simple act of obedience? Deuteronomy 11.1 states, Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. And whatever it may be for us, we cannot even begin to imagine the doors God can open in our children's lives once we take the first small steps of obedience in the direction that God is pulling us to. Our children are watching us. And what better way to mirror Jesus than to stand upon what God has promised us in our obedience? All right, guys, so we're going on to point number three. Mary was a praying mama. Right. Oh. We're going to visit, we're going to skip forward and visit the nativity story in Luke. Luke 2, 15 through 19. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph in the baby who was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay, so now we're going to skip forward to Jesus as a child. Do you guys remember the story when Jesus got left behind in the temple? Okay, so that's one parenting tip from Mary that we're not going to carry out in our lives. So Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus up to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover, and they mistakenly left Jesus at the temple. But Luke 2, 41, 51 reads, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival, according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But he did not, they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Did you catch that? Mary treasured these things, and she pondered them in her heart. Mary prayed to God over these moments, and she meditated upon them. Her prayers allowed her to accept that her son was the Messiah, to raise him as God wished. 
Her prayers are what allowed her to be fortified in the hard times and to allow God's will to be foremost in her family's life. There is great importance in praying over our families. And we just came out of a like, two-year series on Ephesians, so we did weeks and weeks of studying. I'm just kidding, Pastor Josh. We did weeks and weeks of studying how prayer is part of our spiritual armor. And in a life like Jesus's, how important is it to be covered in a mama's prayers? Folks, cover your children in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And sometimes, guys, that's all God's waiting for, is for you to just pray to him about these things. Maybe that's your first step of obedience today. Maybe that's your first act of humility, lifting your requests up to the Lord about your family. Treasure these moments with your children. Live them before the Lord. Meditate upon them. And allow God to speak to you, too, through prayer. Let him transform you. This journey called parenting, it's as much about God raising and developing us as parents as it is about us raising our children. And I love this. This is a beautiful verse that we can speak over our children's lives in prayer. And I, I love that it popped up in our worship song today. Numbers 6, 24 to 26 illustrates this beautiful way we can pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. All right, guys. So on to point number four. Mary's household served the Lord. Luke 2, 41 to 44 reads, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. It was of great importance for Mary and Joseph to get their children to the temple to celebrate these religious holidays. This would pretty much be the modern-day equivalent of us getting our children to church. And getting to these festivals was no small feat. It involved traveling on a donkey, or more likely on foot, for several days. They would have been traveling across hot, dusty Israel to Jerusalem. And can you imagine the planning and stamina that took it as well? The clothing, the supplies, the food, the diaper bags, possibly the animals for offering they may have been bringing as well. I don't know about you guys, I have enough trouble getting my kids to church on Sunday morning and I'm in a minivan with my Dunkin' Donuts coffee and I'm well rested. I can't imagine the dedication to travel hundreds of miles across the desert to get my children to church. But the fact that Mary put God first paid off. Jesus grew up, he was surrounded by the word in both his community and in his home. And as we read, Mary and Joseph had Jesus surrounded with this amazing community of believers. So much so that they had just trusted that somebody in their company had taken them home on that return journey. Folks, it is essential to surround our children with believers. These people teach our children, reaffirm our children, they uplift our children, they encourage our children. And most importantly, they speak truths into areas of our children's lives that we have no experience in. And who knows, this is really cool, who knows what godly wisdom could have been imparted to Jesus by his family and friends on that journey that may have showed up in his ministry years down the road. Or the fellowship that was able to occur between Jesus and his family and friends on these journeys because he was surrounded by these people. Folks, we can't get through this life alone. Our children cannot get through this life alone. 
I cannot stress the importance enough of getting our children into youth group, kids club, and church. And just like Mary and Joseph, surround your children with that community of believers. These are the grounds for fellowship and spiritual transformation to occur. Proverbs 22.6 states, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There will certainly be obstacles getting your children to these things, but you just persevere and get them here. And let the scripture be your mantra. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. All right, guys, so my final point. And it was really cool as I went through this sermon and I was writing this, I just unearthed so many godly points about Mary as a godly parent. And I could have just gone on and on, but I didn't think you'd appreciate that. So I kept it down to five points for today. But this one, if anything else, please take this home with you today. Mary left a godly legacy. In the scripture, we had seen that Mary and Joseph, they returned to Jerusalem to find Jesus. And they found him in the court of the temple and just absolutely regaling the people there with his wisdom and his knowledge of the Pentateuch. It was unbelievable. But guys, that wisdom, it didn't just come from nowhere. Someone had to have spiritually formed Jesus and taught him the story of his ancestors and of Israel. And certainly he was imbued with a certain spiritual maturity and wisdom that came from God. But he had already heard those scriptures elsewhere. And it was from the mouths of Mary and Joseph. I love the way author Scott McKnight says this about Mary and her influence on Jesus and James. Author Scott McKnight states this in his book, The Blue Parakeet. But this spirit-inspired woman was their mother, the one who uttered potent warnings about rich oppressors and promised comfort to the oppressed poor, who rocked Jesus and James' cradles, taught them to sing, and explained to them their family history. And how does one explain the plan of God to bring the Messiah when one is the mother of the Messiah? And she had a nurturing impact that showed up in what they believed, how they acted, and what they taught. And Mary left a godly legacy. She put God first. She taught her children about God. And the fruits of her labor showed up in the adult lives and ministries of her children. As adults, Mary continued to support her children's ministries, her spirituality showing all up in James and Jesus' ministries. We also know that somewhere along the way, Joseph passed, and he left Mary a single mother. How difficult. Yet, she still pressed on despite tough circumstances and supported her children, which was very much her own ministry. James reflected the spirituality of his mother in this scripture. Religion that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Where do you guys think James learned this from? He learned this from watching his mother, Mary. And Mary, this is so cool, she took everyone under her wing. She mothered all of Jesus' disciples, not just the immediate 12. Most importantly, Mary had the wisdom to know when to step back and release her children to God. Because she was there that day that Jesus died on the cross. Yet she knew she had to release him. Can you imagine what that required of her? We see a reflection of Mary's godliness when Jesus stood in the garden of Gethsemane. You know what I'm trying to say. Before his trial and crucifixion and uttered, not my will, but yours, Father. For in this very same way, Mary had been relinquishing her will to the fathers her entire life. As we remain humble, as we pray, as we stay obedient, as we get our children to church, we are reflecting Jesus to our children in the same way that Mary reflected God to Jesus. And what's so cool is that even after Jesus was gone, Mary stayed in her ministry. 
I don't know if you guys knew this. I didn't until this sermon. She actually ended up in Ephesus with the disciple John, and she helped him to run the church there, that very same church we've been reading about in Ephesians. She later provided firsthand recollections to the evangelist Luke so he could write his gospel. To this day, Mary is still one of the most well-known women in world history. She's left this legacy that has stretched across centuries and millennia. Mary reflects God to everyone that reads her. To make it personal, that's me, flip forward. Um, so, you know, we just had the celebration of life for my grandmother this week. And, man, she was a woman of God. And she left a remarkable legacy. I really think between her, my parents and her prayers, that's what brought me around the corner in a really dark period of my life. And uh, look what God's done. So in that last week um, that we got to sit with her in her hospice room, she had like this parade of visitors coming in, family, friends, people that worked with her. Um, it's so much so that the person sharing the room with her filed a complaint against us. <laughs> There's so many people. And the, point, the one thing that got me was, of course, we all know we love my grandma. But one of her friends came, and she was like, is it okay if I tell the rest of her friends they can come? And we were like, of course. She's like, good, because there's so many people that want to come. She was like, Lucretia just loved everyone she met. She was kind to everyone. She cooked for everyone. I'm going to miss that. And in the way my grandmother loved me, the way she loved others, she was a reflection of Jesus. She loved me when I was at my most unlovable, and she was right there cheering me on for my life's mountaintop moments. And I miss her terribly, but in that week of watching her in hospice, even though I was grieving, something beautiful was birthed in me. I was like, I want to leave a legacy like that. I want to leave a legacy of love and of God. And I want people to say that when they saw me, they saw Christ in the way I treated them, in the way I loved them, in the way I left an impact on my children and the children that were in my lives. Amen. Yeah. Yes. So. And guys, if you feel any conviction today in your parenting, that's okay. None of us are perfect parents. I'm certainly not. And if I'm asking that, if you do feel any conviction, stay humble. Lean into it. Ask God what he is revealing to you. The point of godly parenting is not about raising perfect kids. It's about raising kids who know how to cling to the rock when the storms sweep into their lives. Because those storms are going to come, guys. We are the ones to teach them about this rock. We are the ones to reflect Jesus to our children. So let's leave that godly legacy. Amen. Amen. What was that quote there at the end you said about clinging? You read that again. Listen to this again. This is so powerful. Listen to this. All right, guys. So the, the point, point of God. Yep, that's it. Do you want to read it? No, no, oh, okay. I do not want to read it. <laughs> All right. I want you to read it. The point of godly parenting is not about raising perfect kids. It's about raising kids who know how to cling to the rock when the storms sweep into their lives, because those storms will come. Yeah, that's a powerful statement. You know, as I think about that, I think the challenge sometimes as a parent is we're so focused on trying to raise perfect kids. The truth is that ain't never going to happen. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing to pursue, but that's, they're just never going to happen. They're human, just like you are. You know, the goal of godly parenting is that they would run to Jesus. Whether they're on the mountaintop or in the valley, that they would run to Jesus. That's the goal of godly parenting.
that that's what it's about in the long run. And I, I think this sermon was just a good reminder of, you know, when we look in the Bible, we get overwhelmed. Well, that was Moses and that was Mary and that was whoever. Do you realize they were just ordinary people that said yes to God? They were just ordinary people that were flawed like you that serve the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I, and I think sometimes we, we feel so incapable of doing what we do as parents. We feel so incapable of what we're called to do, but thankfully we have a heavenly father that will cling to him and with the best of our abilities, serve him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, amen? If we'll just remain humble and obedient and do the best we can, there can be a legacy that's left. Because I think about that all the time with, with my kids. You know, the, the, the best thing that I can leave behind, the thing that I'm striving to leave behind isn't the, a, a bunch of financial inheritance, although that would be wonderful. It's, it's a godly legacy. In fact, can I, can I just tell you what I pray over my kids all the time? And I want to encourage you, your parents, to pray this over your kids. You know, you have a journey that God's brought you on, and God has done things in your life. And I think about my life. My prayer all the time is, God, that my kids would be seven times more anointed and used than you ever did with me and their mom. That's what I pray over my kids all the time. Because I want my kids to do greater things for God than I ever did. I want them to glorify God in even greater ways. Amen. I think that should be our prayer as parents. Thank you for a good reminder that it's not about being perfect people. It's about loving God and being humble and obedient and allowing God to do what he does in our lives. So thank you, Andrea. So can we say a prayer over her uh, in her life? You know, God has done amazing things in her life. We're so proud of her. And let's just pray over her home. I'm going to pray for the rest of you as well. Lord, I thank you for Andrea. Lord, I thank you for her life. Lord, I thank you for the calling on her life, Lord, and the godly moms that you put in her life, that even when things were dark in her life, there was a mom and a grandma that was praying, leaving a godly legacy in her life, Lord. And we're excited about the journey that she's on, Lord, that, that I pray, Lord, that what you do in this season of her life would reverberate through generations of her children and grandchildren that they would grow up to serve you with all their heart and mind and soul and strength, Lord. And I pray that prayer over all of us this morning. But Lord, as we parent, Lord, as we, as we, as we do this thing called life, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be humble. I pray that you would help us to be obedient no matter how hard it may be, knowing that there is much at stake in serving you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that we may mirror you to our kids, that they may serve you with all their heart mind, soul, and strength, Lord. I pray that you would be with each parent as we leave. Bless them today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, next week, we're going to begin a brand new series here at Hope Fellowship. It's not going to be like Ephesians. It's not going to be, by the way, Andrea, it was six months, not two years, just so you know. So, but, uh, we're going to get into a very powerful series. In fact, it's only going to be about four weeks, but this series is going to be the talk of the church. So it's, it's that important of a series. You say, what is it? Well, that's for me and to know and you to find out. So you don't want to miss. I promise you, you don't want to miss the next few weeks. God bless you. Have a great Mother's Day. We'll see you next week. May his favor go 
in a thousand generations. If you need prayer in any way, our prayer partners will be up front to pray over you. And the children, and the children, may the presence go before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you, he is with you, he is with you, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping, and rejoicing, he is for you, he is for you. for you. He is 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 for you. He is